before we start this episode, just a quick note. We hope you all have arrived safely at Hogwarts, and if you're a new student, that you're happy with the house that the head has chosen for you. We know that you will do great. Happy being back at Hogwarts week. And speaking of, this month, all September through, we are taking part to a photo challenge that is organized by some of our Potter friends. Check out our Instagram page, PuffCastPod, for our pictures and also see what everyone else has posted under the hashtag BackToHogwartsMagic2. Alright, let's start with the episode. Okay, do you want to do the intro or do you want me to do the intro? Why don't you do it for once? Okay. Hello and welcome to Podcasting Ultimate Apple Pop Podcast. This is episode 13 on September 2nd, 2020. I'm Juliana. No! (laughs) (laughs) No! I think this would be the fastest someone would turn off the episode and like, nope, not gonna do it. Nope. Well, you don't like my weird semi-old man Germanish. That was German? What? I don't even know. It was probably ended up being like Swedish or something. Uh, try your um old fancy man voice. Who's Saya? Oh, hello and welcome to podcast, the ultimate Hufflepuff podcast. This is episode 13 on September 2nd, 2020, the year of our Lord. I'm Juliana. I think we will never let you do the intro again. (laughs) Darn. Oh my god, okay, I guess we are going with one of these or both. Let's see. So, here we are. I'm Melanie. Juliana, are you okay? (laughs) It's it's always questionable. I don't think she's okay today! (laughs) So now that our British friend has left the room... Thank goodness. (laughs) I kind of asked for it, though. I don't know. You told me to do the intro, so... (laughs) Okay. First of all... Note to myself in this recording. Hi, from the past, future Melanie. Here we have to remember to maybe check for some, you know, reviews, feedback, mail, edit it, it in later. I, I'm trying to read what we have in the doc. Um, yeah. Edit, edit it later. Yeah, is that a right word? I don't know. Uh, here we add go. It, oh, well. no. Yeah. Oh, I wrote add it, <laughs> add it later. Oops. <laughs> Oopsie. That was me. So let's begin with our feedback of the week. We have some comments about Buttercup's question, which was, what do you appreciate most about your Hufflepuff friends? Additionally, we got some thoughts on the main discussion from last episode as well. So let's start with the first email, which comes from Joffrey. Is it Joffrey or Jeffrey? I'm not sure. Jeffrey or Joffrey, let us know how you pronounce your name, because we love you, but <laughs> you, yeah, you know your girl want... Juliana here can't pronounce anything correctly. So. He says, guten tag, Puffs. Very nice. <laughs> Ooh. What I admire most about my fellow Hufflepuffs is their selflessness. Hufflepuffs are known for their hard work, their kindness, and their friendship. I believe that being selfless is an excellent combination of all those qualities. It can be very difficult to want to do something nice for someone else without asking what's in it for me. And especially hard if you know that the person you are doing something nice for will not appreciate it or even say thank you. A true Hufflepuff is someone who can at least make an effort to make the world better by always going the extra mile for others, no matter what. And I am fortunate to know many Hufflepuffs who do exactly that. That is really nice. Yeah. And I think so too. I actually see myself in that a little bit. Yeah. 
we have talked about this before. We are not really usually expecting something back. We just like to do nice things for someone else and make their day nicer and happier. Yeah. It can be really difficult sometimes to do something for someone where you already know they are not appreciating it and they are not saying thank you. I think we all have had someone like that in our life where you're still gonna do it, but it's at the same time, it's it's kind of weird because you're not expecting something back, but at the same time, you sort of feel sad if, if, if it's very unappreciated, you know? Yeah. I don't want you to throw yourself at me and give me a huge hug and say oh thank you thank you thank you thank you like I don't I'm not desperate for that but it just feels after a while if you constantly do something nice for someone else and you never at all even get something small back so that you know that your efforts are actually valued in some Mm -hmm. way I'm always feeling like when saying that it sounds sort of selfish, even though it's absolutely not meant that way. But do you know at least what I mean with that? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Because I know like if I do something nice for someone, at minimum, I want to know that it was received. I want you to be like, oh, I got your thing. Thank you. And I'll be like, oh, great. And like that will at least most of the time like that like satiates me enough where I'm just okay good they got the, like they don't even have to really go in to be like oh it was so great I loved it so much blah, 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 blah. but maybe it's also a little bit related to that when we are doing something nice for someone else we are hoping we are making that person's day better that we make yeah. them happy for a moment especially if they are not doing so well and then there is zero response you know that we feel bad did we not do enough? Was that mm-hmm. just... I, I, I don't know. He still goes on to say, Speaking of which, you also mentioned, I believe, in this week's episode, that Professor Sprout does not get enough credit in the books. She has always been one of my favorite characters. As the herbology professor, she has to put in a lot of extra hard work outside of class to make sure that the plants are well cared for, as they are vital to several of the day-to-day events at Hogwarts and to make sure her students have something to study. I always hoped that her own house students, at the very least, took time to thank her for everything she does without asking for credit. I know Neville does, which is one more reason why I love him. Thanks for a great show, Joffrey. Yeah, I think that Professor Sprout definitely is an underrated character too. Like I said in my email response, Um, I feel that she definitely is pulling pretty long hours working at Hogwarts because you got to think if you're like a farmer or something, normally you're up at like the crack of dawn or you're going to bed at the end of the day. And she's kind of like the Hogwarts version of a farmer because she is the one taking care of all the plants and they're so necessary to so many things at Hogwarts. I also like to think, too, that she has some students that help her. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, say thank you for her hard work. No, also help her. I am sure that. Oh, are. yeah. I mean, I would be one of those who would be asking, like, hey, after the classes, can I help with something? Because it's going to be so much fun to just learn about all the magical plants and care for them. And I would have a blast doing that. So. Mm. Yeah, I think she's probably one of the heads of houses i would say mcgonagall might have some people volunteering to help her mm-hmm. and snape probably not uh <laughs> he's making the students do stuff <laughs> yeah and i think flitwick would probably get some good volunteers because the ravenclaws always want to be learning new things reaching new heights but i think professor sprout would probably have the biggest group of volunteers And they probably would all show up with, like, hot chocolate first thing in the morning for her. (laughs) And, like, cookies in the afternoon for her. Knitting little hats for special plants. and Yeah. Yeah. For the mandrakes, for example. Mm. So we have another slightly lengthy email, which Juliana is going to read for us now. Yes. So we have a lovely email from our friend and past guest, Andre of Wilson's Wands. So if you haven't listened to his episode yet, go back and listen to all that fun stuff about wands. And so he wrote to us, I would like to put some counterpoints to what was said about Cedric in the last episode, before raising the characteristics and merits of this character, who was quite wronged in the narrative of the books. It is worth mentioning, we have to keep in mind that this is not a comparison between Cedric and Harry. Harry obviously is obviously an extraordinary and very powerful wizard. 
Perhaps if both were eligible for the tournament, Harry would be selected, but that was not the case. Having that being said, we have to remember some important key factors. 1. Cedric was the best and most complete at the minimum age for the tournament, in intelligence, power, and skills. 2. From what we saw in the books, despite Harry's warning about the dragons, Cedric did not need to learn any new magic to deal with the first task, since the transfiguration spell used by him was already in his domain. His advantage with the advanced information was just having time to devise a strategy. Thirdly, in the second task, he was as fast as Harry when locating the kidnapped, and if Harry didn't exist in the tournament, he would have been in first place. Fourthly, in the third task, in addition to being able to overcome all the obstacles of the labyrinth, he would have been first to find the cup, and therefore been the Triwizard Tournament champion. In short, he at all times proved to be an extraordinary wizard, just like Harry, and a superior to his tournament rivals. Certainly, if he had stayed alive, he would be one of the leaders of Dumbledore's army, with no doubt. About Cedric's death. In addition to being taken by surprise, this includes an indefensible spell. Note that Harry is only able to, to defend himself thanks to the connection of his wand with Voldemort, the advantage that Cedric did not have. And I have no doubt even the most experienced Auror, caught off guard, as well as Cedric, would also fall for Wormtail for Wormtail's surprise attack. Yeah, I think he has actually a, he has a pretty good point here. That yeah, um, just to to reflect here for a moment that I think mm -hmm. he had lots of really good points that we haven't looked at as closely last time we had a discussion when Eric was on that he was really skilled. I mean, he he was not. We are just looking at the fact that he was chosen, but he really had all these levels reached with the spell uh, ability to cast certain spells and having the knowledge that Harry did not have, and he basically was already ready and equipped for being the champion and chosen as being the best and most uh, skilled of all that had put their name in yeah i mean andre makes a great point with the fact that if harry hadn't been a factor in these in these competitions cedric would have been first yeah pretty much every single time yeah so that really speaks to his and i'm not sure about the first task how long the timing was honestly but definitely he would have taken at least two of the tasks on as the first place winner and he would have gone on to won the whole try was a tournament just like Andre said. So clearly mm -hmm. he has a solid set of skills yeah. that make him, like Andre said, an extraordinary wizard. And I love the idea of having him in Dumbledore's army too. And having <laughs> some good Hufflepuff representation throughout the entirety of the books. That could have gone quite a bit differently, I think, that he would not be... Harry wouldn't be the one in charge, so to speak, but mm. Cedric would have taken a load off. I wonder how that would have affected Harry's development because mm. through being able to teach everyone, even though he is not very happy about the idea in the beginning, he grows quite a bit with that role that is given mm. to him. I'm wondering if just Cedric being a Hufflepuff would have maybe been Harry's second in command in teaching yeah. because he clearly has a vast repertoire of knowledge but I have a strong feeling that maybe Cedric wouldn't be as driven to lead the group as Harry is and also Harry has that boy who lived factor going on for him mm -hmm. that everyone really likes to prize and look up to so I have a feeling that it would probably still be Harry teaching the quote-unquote classes of Dumbledore's army, but Cedric would probably be his second in command. And I think the dynamic would be interesting too, because obviously Ron would not be excited about Cedric being the second in command. Uh, Harry would have not been happy either. He was having holding a grudge towards Cedric because he was uh, dating Cho instead. I was just going to say the Cho Chang dynamic would be completely different. Yeah, that would have been interesting to see. Hmm. But we have we have a little bit more in the email. 
Yes. Uh, so Andre went on to write, and just to compliment was to why Hufflepuff is the best house, unlike the three other houses, which value personal characteristics such as courage, ambition, and wisdom, Hufflepuff values collective values, such as loyalty, fair play, and hard work. Therefore, just as those sorted into Gryffindor may not be the most courageous, but those who admire and crave courage. For me, badgers are those who, in addition to having courage, wisdom, or ambition, sometimes a mixed salad and all, as Juliana said, haha, <laughs> they appreciate collective values above all and are selected for this wonderful house. I really love this because I never thought of the houses, their characters as being things that you crave. And now it just makes so much sense. And this is why we love Andre, because he's awesome. <laughs> and he has all these great theories and stuff. But it definitely solidified the differences between the houses for me, too. Because he's right, we can all have courage. But to crave more of it and to want that to be our thing that we aspire to be like. We can all have, like, every house has, like, a baseline level of courage. You know, like, we all got yeah. it. It's there somewhere. But, like, as Hufflepuffs, we do not crave to have more of it. We're not like, aha, courage is the one thing I must have. Chivalry is the one thing I must have. This is this is turning into a full episode and discussion on Go figure! <laughs> Juliana and Mel respond to two listener feedback emails. Yeah, I mean, it, it just so happens that we got two really lovely, very long responses that is just, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna fit it in. <laughs> okay. But that sounds um, good to me. If we don't have anything else to add to those emails, we still have got actually a lovely new review on Apple Podcasts. Yay! And now is the question do you wanna read it or should I read it? <laughs> I can read it if you want. I don't sure. care. Twerkers? Tweakers. Maybe tweakers. Twi- Could be tweakers. Twi- Twikers? Twikers? It's a bit hard uh, to, to pronounce the name of the person who wrote. So <laughs> Yes, this is their username and I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But they wrote a review titled, Good One Mates. And it says, Though I love all the houses in their own way, I am quite proud to be a puff. It's always nice to see someone come out with a new Potter podcast, since one can never have too many. And now we have the have the first house with our own show. And that's true. We are the only yeah. house-specific podcast out there. So come at us, Snakecast and Griffcast and Ravecast. <laughs> and the review goes on to say, The hosts are super nice and relaxed, and they incorporate a lot of different elements into the show, so there's a good variety. Well, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. I mean, that's we we keep like hearing from people that it's very easy to listen to us, which great. <laughs> I love that. The most interesting thing is that people find it relaxing, and I'm like, at what point during this podcast was Juliana ever relaxed? <laughs> She's always like firing on on all circuits. <laughs> so I'm glad that you guys, being bonkers, you guys think that it's relaxing. So. Uh, Maybe I need to take it up a notch, goddammit. No, it. don't ruin a good thing, come on. <laughs> but we very much appreciate all your reviews and comments and emails. Please send us some more. And yeah, this it's not only lovely to, to talk about your theories and ideas, but also to hear possible things that we can make better or what do you already like about this show? Because we are still in the beginning and we can still approve, you know, it can yeah. hopefully can only go upwards, I hope. <laughs> Possibly. <So. laughs> yes. And um, if you guys leave us a review, please message us on one of our social media platforms and we're happy to send you a sticker. Yes. If Twikers wasn't Jeff, I have an inkling that it might have been, but I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> send us a message and we'll get you some stickers. So either the email puffcastpod at gmail.com or any of our socials at puffcastpod. So thank you. And now, into the main discussion. Woohoo! So this week we are talking about our last and final Hufflepuff trait. We're doing our deep dive into kindness this week. How kind of us. How nice of us to do this for all of you. <laughs> 
So the trait definition kind via the Merriam-Webster dictionary has three pretty similar definitions. So the first one is of a sympathetic or helpful nature, of a forbearing nature, or arising from or characterized by sympathy or forbearance. So pretty much just being helpful and sympathetic, I guess, towards someone, something, whoever you're directing your energy towards. Yeah. What we're going to do first is we're just going to talk about how Hufflepuffs show and exhibit this trait in the books and in the movies and things like that. And then we'll just kind of break it down from there. So I feel as if Hufflepuffs exhibit this trait about how much we care about everything. Mm Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. We're just like always involved with things like kind of Loki, like with the battle. I feel like the battle of Hogwarts is a good example of this, where we really care about Hogwarts. We care about all the students, teachers. We care that Voldemort gets defeated, obviously. So we stay. We don't run away like some of the other houses because we really just care quite a lot. And... I don't really know if that's a showing of kindness, more or less, but it's just showing of caring. I don't know if that translates into kindness. I took that example and went with it, and hmm. I was just thinking the same thing. I think we are going in a slightly different direction. But hmm. at the core, I think, yeah, we our kindness is always present, I think, and shows itself in caring a lot about what is going on around us and with those that we love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we don't really see too much of this in the books. One, because we don't really have many interactions with Hufflepuffs in the books anyway. But I feel as though there are a few examples, like Cedric really is kind to Harry by giving him the information about the egg in the fourth book. Um, I truly cannot think of any really other great examples off the top of my head. I know that in Chamber of Secrets, once they discover that it truly can't be Harry as the heir of Slytherin, all the Hufflepuffs come around and are just very kind to him after the fact. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, that initial situation doesn't paint us in the best light, obviously, but we do learn and come around and are kind to Harry in the end. I think that we are, we have said this like a couple of times now, but... Uh, I always feel like we are very misrepresented in the books. And uh, it's the same with Slytherin, I think, because people Mm -hmm. tend to say, uh, you must be really evil and awful. That's why you're in Slytherin. You're a bad person. Um, No, Slytherins aren't. There's always the rule of except. No, how do you say? The exception to the rule. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Um. You have, like, bad examples in every house. So I I think that the books aren't really showing much of Hufflepuff's being kind. They are more of the nasty, gossipy kind. Yeah, well, and you also have to think that these books are written from the perspective of Harry, who's a Gryffindor, and who is a pretty controversial Gryffindor as it is. So it's not as if we're getting the day-to-day goings-on of one of the more average students in the building who probably isn't being told he's the heir of Slytherin all day long and is probably just a regular student. Yeah. So the fact that we have the bias to look at things through Harry's lens just because the books are written from his perspective definitely makes it more skewed for him to think that okay, these interactions with Hufflepuffs are bad, and he really only seems to have interactions with Hufflepuffs when it's almost necessary because he's in a class with them and they're doing a a thing together, or he's talking to Cedric because they're both champions, Mm -hmm. things like that. He doesn't seem to go out of his way to spend any time with any of the Hufflepuffs. Because of that, and because Harry is the main character of the story, we're extremely limited in the amount of Hufflepuff interactions and scenes that we get. And Mm -hmm. because, again, Harry is such a controversial Gryffindor slash person in the world of the wizards and stuff, it's probably safe to say that, yeah, he would get haters even from the Hufflepuff house because the one time they get anything, it gets taken away from them pretty much. So let's just talk about next what this trait means to us. So what does being kind mean to you, Mel? Uh, to me, it means that you are even caring for the tiniest of creatures, for example. That is mm-hmm. something 
others might overlook very easily. And I am someone who stops at small things and, first of all, looks in wonder at them. It sounds so cheesy, but (laughs) I can just look at a little bug on the stone and just think, my god, you're beautiful. Just don't jump on me. (laughs) But... (laughs) Uh, I will go into more detail about that later when we come to examples from our lives. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely caring for little tiny creatures is definitely really kind. Or any any human or any beast or any being definitely is extremely um, important. I think to me it's really just the theme of empathy, something mm-hmm. that our, uh, the greater world is kind of lacking. I'm assuming, even though we're recording this early, the world is still lacking empathy when this comes out. <laughs> So it's just that feeling of not judging and identifying with the person, trying to take some of their load, if you can, and just being sympathetic to what they're going through and just kind of hearing them out, giving some effort into it, I think a little bit too, and just wanting things to be better. So Mm -hmm. just providing... Just providing like a listening ear or something that you can do for someone. I think to me, one of the things that really sets kindness apart is kind of like personalization, I guess. You're able, and by that I mean, if you're kind to someone, you've seen what they actually need. Or like you've seen something that needs to be done and you're addressing that and trying to make it better, if that makes any sense. Like, I think of kind of like as like gift giving, like if I am not like a super kind person, and I'm not, this is just an example, maybe I'll give you an unpersonalized Amazon gift card because I don't know what you want. I didn't take the time to like figure out who you are or what's going on. Or if I'm like a kinder person, maybe I get you a specifically Hufflepuff little uh, vegan, I don't know, bag. <laughs> a nice little Hufflepuff vegan satchel. Vegan How leather Hufflepuff satchel. You. Thank you. I don't know. Filled with pizza. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Kindness overload. <laughs> so much pizza. But just kind of being able to pay attention to exactly the person that you're talking to, be empathetic to what they're going through, and maybe just provide some something nice to them in return whether it be monetary whether it just be emotional support but i think yeah, yeah. empathy is the big thing that i kind of was stuck on with the try with the kindness trait mm-hmm. so next i guess we'll just give some examples from our lives so mel if you'd like to give us this lovely example that you were just talking about <laughs> yeah going back to um to care and be kind to even the tiniest of creatures I have the habit, and I've been called a little bit nuts for it, but I have the habit to save, uh, for example, little bees. I am usually afraid of when they're flying around me because I have been stung by them and I don't want that ever to happen again because that hurts. But (laughs) I have found like exhausted bees and have been like carrying them all the way home from work and have been like pepping them up, you know, to to get, give them back their energy so they can fly off and go about their business. Uh, <laughs> there's this path along at our workplace where there is usually a lot of snails over the floor. And I am always worried that they are being driven over because cars are going by there and people walking. And you can see some smashed little houses on the road and that just makes me so sad. So as soon as I see them crawling over the road, I'm just picking them up and bringing them actually to the direction on the other side of the road where they are going anyway. So I'm speeding up their (laughs) journey and just deliver them over there so they are safe in the grass again. Um, I just feel like they are worth saving too. They have a right to be here and... uh, I even saved little snails from salads in the supermarket if I saw them. People might be looking weird at you if you have a small (laughs) slug on your paper tissue in your hand and it's crawling around in circles because it's trying to figure out where the hell am I. And uh, going about your shopping still and having this snail in your hand on the paper 
uh, making sure it's not falling off until you're done and then you go out and bring it to the grass. So that has happened before too. I might have also gotten some weird looks for that, but that's most likely considered to be kind. Um, yeah, well, I think being kind means you're kind of taking an extra step to you're going a little bit over and beyond what the baseline expectation is. So, like mm-hmm. with that, the baseline expectation hopefully would be to just not touch the poor little animals. But you're kind of yeah. going above and beyond that and showing them kindness by taking them back where they should be. Mm-hmm. Which uh, just flows automatically into uh, one of my other points that I can just add to this one mm-hmm. is being vegan. The whole reason or the main reason I am a vegan is because of animal abuse and I just feel like paying attention to what's actually going on in the world and what is considered to be normal in a way or we are completely blind to it because we don't even see the processes behind the curtains anymore to be more open and to see what is going on and to go through the world with a kinder heart um, is what I try to live by and yeah yeah I don't even think I've asked you this question Mel you don't have to tell this story if you don't want to was there like one thing that like got you into being a vegan was it like you just saw one thing where you're oh no um I have seen quite a few things but I I also had for a long time in mind that I kind of don't want to be part of that any longer and I became a vegetarian first then eventually I became a full vegan, even though I was nearly there. It was basically just chocolate and <laughs> uh, cheese that was still left, which is probably sounding very familiar to lots of other vegans that usually have the problem with the cheese because it's just very addictive <laughs> uh, and hard to get rid of. But what really pushed me to go that way fully was that I saw a documentary and I Sorry, I do not remember which one of those. It was one of the big ones that is very well known for showing how the world is actually run. Mm -hmm. And I could only watch 20 minutes and I was crying so, so hard for another hour that I thought, okay, this is it. I cannot do this anymore. I don't want to support that. Also having my bunnies because I just love them so much and they're so important and I would not ever want them to suffer anything like that yeah i mean the world is screwed up Mm -hmm. but yeah well thank you for sharing that mel you're welcome um so being a vegan is also obviously like a really great example of showing kindness to animals anything anything that's really alive pretty much generally the whole planet actually yeah because environment is so important too you should care and be kind to that as well yeah for sure So examples in our lives, I think for me, I suffer from this classic Hufflepuff syndrome of caring about everything too much. Me too. (laughs) We're those people who walk into a room and automatically if someone in the room is mad, like you're just like mad and you're like, what's going on? I feel so angry right now. (laughs) And you don't know why. And then like someone like says something, you're like, oh, okay. I picked up the energy from this, like, mad person across the room. That's what's going on. And then you just end up being the person that they vent to for, like, two hours. And you're like, oh, no. Because you just have that face. And I think we talk about this on another episode, too. Where you're just that person that everyone feels like they can walk up to and talk to. And I feel mm-hmm. as though I, in my life, I want to be, I want to give people what I want in return. So I guess give onto others what you would have them do onto you. I think that's maybe from the Bible mm-hmm. or that's just the golden rule. Truly, I don't know. I think that in my life, I feel as though a lot of the time I've found that interactions with people as I was growing up were really lacking a lot of things. And it seems to be like people listening to people, people actually taking the time to do like a little tiny thing for someone. Or people just giving you some kind of like small attention and that can really turn your whole day around. And I feel as though that's one of the things that I want to give back to people that I feel like that's something that's kind. And I also feel like it's something that bites me in the butt sometimes because sometimes I do too many of those things and then I just end up being the person in the office who's doing 
all these little things and then people just start expecting it and so it's a it's a it's a two-sided coin uh yeah i think i also mentioned that myself before but that's what i do at work i'm doing too many small things and then people move over to the other side of the building where we have also offices and uh they're expecting the same things to happen there but then they are complaining to my boss like um why is this and this not being taken care of is no one like doing that and He's like, no, that's not in the contract. And then he comes to me, Melanie, what did you do? <laughs> I'm just trying to be helpful. You know, I'm doing the small things that are kind, I think. Um, just because I feel like I want to do it and not because someone tells me to. I'm just going to say this before it completely leaves my brain. But I feel like kindness is addressing unverbalized needs. Like you're there and you observe a need and you see that it needs to be addressed. But it's not, it's knowing how to address a need without someone saying anything, you know? So if like you are, say like you're having a hard time with your headphones or you're, if say we're recording and this is like our second recording and you're like, oh, these stupid headphones, they just don't work. And so next time we're recording, I have a, yeah, I drop off a pair of headphones at your apartment mm -hmm. and I'm just, and you're just like, oh, yeah. but cause you wouldn't have asked for me for, to do that. Yes, exactly. But I'm filling a need because I want to, and because it makes me feel good to help you in that way, because I know that you need something, but you've. I'm just hearing like, oh, Mel needs some headphones. Awesome. Really nice ones. When I was at the store the other day, I'm going to go get her some and I'll drop them off in her mailbox in Finland because, you know, Juliana lives right down the street. <laughs> Something uh, similar to that. My friend Sarah, who was on, has been with me baking. I think we baked muffins and we bought a load of new toys and coloring books and we brought it to a mother and child shelter here in town Aww. and they were we called before because that is something you cannot just walk into because of course yeah same those who come there are protected and yeah same with shelters here you have to call ahead yes so we called before and they said that um yes you can come and we arranged a date and everything and then we went there we sat down with those who are taking care of the, of the shelter and they asked us why are you doing this and we were saying that because we just want to be nice we just want to be kind and we want to give something to cheer them up in case they need it and kids will always be happy to get something uh, new to play with and who doesn't like baked goods and gets a smile on their face when someone brings them and made them with love and they were so touched by what we did mm -hmm. that in return, it made me cry too. So we were all teary-eyed there. Aww. And it just all around felt so good. And they were so happy. And that's the kind of treat that you were sort of talking about. That you are seeing there's someone in need of something. And you will just, without being asked, you will just go there and make their day. Mm -hmm. And I think we all should be more more open to actually just do something like this because it's so easy to do yeah and yeah I, I definitely agree with that too and I was just thinking through all the I mean not to toot my own horn but just all the examples of like these things that I know I've done in my history on this planet that are just things that go kind of like a little bit above and beyond. Like when I was working at the food service department at the college I went to, I set up a whole program where we donated all the leftover food to the local food shelter, which is something they weren't doing before. And I, the woman who ran that food shelter like loved me to death. Like she was great. <laughs> like I knew these food shelters needed the food. And I was saw how much they were throwing in the trash. I was like, this is just, we can't yeah. do this. This th There are people who need this. So mm -hmm. things like that where I, I don't want, no one's giving me any, like I'm just, this is just an extra thing that I'm working extra hours at my job to do. Not being paid to do it. This woman from the food shelter calls me at all hours of the day. <laughs> it was just, I wanted to positively impact other people's lives if I could. We're just kind of doing things. We see a need. We see that it needs to be met. No one's asking us to do it. And then there's a positive outcome. And we just walk away because that's all we wanted was the other person to be happy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, being kind to even the so-called worst customers. Yeah. From my work 
past, you know, people were avoiding to provide a service to them and it was just thrown at me. And uh, I was just being fine with everyone and nice to everyone. And that's why they like to come to me in the end and didn't even want to be serviced by anyone else anymore. Uh, yeah, That's like my residence. Again, not to chew my own horn. I know that I'm like a nice person when I'm at work and all the nursing staff are like, this person is yelling, they're screaming, something's wrong with their meal. They're so irate. They're just going crazy. And I go into the room and I'm like, mm -hmm. hi, what's going on? And they're like, oh, I just wanted a mustard packet. I'm like, okay. And I come back and then I bring it and they're like, thank you. I'm like, goodbye. And I was like, what? who is this person? It happens so consistently at my job where people are just like, this person's going insane. And I walk in, I'm like, they were very pleasant. I just think that is something, a matter of perspective, because... Agreed. Sometimes you, you don't know what the person is at the moment going through. Yeah. Or what kind of day they had. And that might be why they are so grumpy and sort of annoying to service or to take care of. If you are just bringing a little bit of kindness their way, that will go away and you can make their day better. Yeah. And you don't have to take on the negativity. Just if someone is annoying to you, react with kindness and they will be blown off with that. They will immediately stop. That reminds me of my favorite thing to do when, when people like honk at me or like flip me off while I'm driving. I look over and I go, hello, and I smile and wave at them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, maybe we should have now a look at the characters of the books that exemplified this trait. Mm. I think the mother of kindness is Molly Weasley. She mm. is probably one of the kindest, big-hearted person that you can find in the stories she is just the way she embraces harry as soon as she knows um what his circumstances are and that he has no parents and he has been treated really badly in the dursley's house and doesn't even get christmas presents from anyone so she makes a jumper for him too so all these little treats and things and hugs that she gives him and that he can stay over for the for the holidays and mm -hmm. just giving him a warm home and welcome to be part of her family that embodies kindness for me yeah all all the way through i feel like molly weasley in most aspects is a pretty great mom one of the uh characteristics of being a great mom is caring specifically for your mm -hmm. family and for your kids and she definitely shows us that and you're right in all the little things that she does for everyone in her family for even the people like harry who aren't technically her family and even with, yeah. with like the order members we see her making them dinner and making sure they have their robes cleaned and making sure they have enough flu powder to get wherever they're going so mm -hmm. she definitely is a mother hen and cares very much so about anyone who comes into her orbit and <laughs> tries to be kind to them so yeah i think that's a really good example honestly Mm -hmm. One of the examples that I thought of was Lupin is just how much he, he really like genuinely cares about Harry and how he's kind to him in the third book. And just going forward, I feel like a lot of the time between, I guess, the Order members and also Sirius versus Lupin, Sirius sometimes isn't the most kind person. But Lupin sees the situations and more or less diffuses them. Just tells Harry, like, hey, this is what's going on. And he's kind enough to teach him the Patronus charm, even though he doesn't really have to. Mm -hmm. It's just empathetic with him when he fails the first time. He's like, oh, it's fine. Everyone fails, like, the first time. Whatever. And it's just pretty much the, a good contrast to Snape. Once we get to the occlumacy lessons with Snape, we see exactly how kind and understanding Lupin was in retrospect to how unkind and ununderstanding Snape is. I think Lupin is the perfect example to show if you have had some traumatic, terrible things in your past, you are going through life either completely mad and angry and you just let everyone's, everyone feel that, or you're turning the opposite direction, which I can see in us also, you take all the stuff that has happened to you and you turn it around and you spread kindness and love wherever you go because that's what you wish you had mm -hmm. when you were in this terrible situation. And you don't want anyone else to ever feel that way. And that's why you are 
spreading the kindness yeah in such ways as lupin does not only helping harry but generally being a great teacher and helping the kids to learn all about defense and creatures and everything they need to know yeah I think he definitely, he goes out of his way to make sure these unspoken needs that people are having are met, especially out of the Marauders. Definitely the most caring, as far as we know. Hot take with Juliana, I'm not a fan of James Potter. And is definitely one of the more caring members out of the Order as well. And just is someone who, you're correct, takes their life experiences and just understands that these are things that can make life harder for you identifies them and just creates empathy with that towards other people who might be dealing with something of a similar nature who else do we have um dumbledore is someone i think can show a lot of kindness to he has so many flaws of course we don't have to go into those but no one can deny not that he only got style sorry i had to if you didn't say it i was gonna say it (laughs) (laughs) but that he um also has a lot of kindness in him and he shows that in so many ways and one of them is that he helps out Dobby he takes him on in school after he got freed he even offers to pay him which Dobby is refusing first but then he can get him to at least get a dollar or no not a dollar um a galleon or a sickle yeah a week or something he also takes on Winky who is now completely crushed from being out of service from Barty Crouch. Those are just the the house elves. Mm -hmm. When we see he pretty much has a good repertoire with any of the beasts, like we see them, he's really the only one on the castle grounds who has a good repertoire with the mermaids and the centaurs. And usually when someone is able to interact with most groups, and especially groups that tend to be a little bit dicey to deal with, you know that you have a genuinely kind person on your hands. Also the way he gives people a chance to teach at school. Mm -hmm. Maybe not every choice is the best, like with Lockhart, but there's always a reason behind also why he chooses these people. But for example, Trelawney is someone he keeps around in the school to protect her. She's not aware of it. That is, again, one of those points that we already talked about earlier, that without even mentioning it, it, he is showing so much kindness to keep her around, give her a home and a safe space, so nothing will happen to her. No, I agree with that. And just going off of the Dobby thing, too, I feel like Dobby is also one of the characters that shows a lot of kindness. Yeah, he's a little bit annoying, but I love Dobby. I think it's fun. He's someone who, especially after he's freed, will do anything for Harry. And he truly wants Mm -hmm. nothing in return. He's just so excited to do all these things. He's like, oh, Dobby made a a pie for Harry Potter. Oh, Dobby folded Harry's clothes. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised that the one dollar a week, I think it was per week. Went to buy Harry gifts. (laughs) Yeah, that he would actually offer it to Harry so that he can do stuff for him that he needs help with probably Um, (laughs) so he's like absolutely selfless and he does it with with love and yeah 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 and unfortunately obviously we see him die at the end oh my god when i read that part of the book i like truly was sobbing because dobby honestly like he's up there on my favorite characters list i love dobby yeah he's definitely one of my favorites next to luna she and dobby are my favorites I think I would give Dobby, like, maybe the fifth slot on my thing. But he's still up there. He's still in the top five. (laughs) And then I have thought of McGonagall. She is helping Harry to achieve his goals when it comes to the whole mission, that he can accomplish it. Whatever he needs, she will help to Mm -hmm. get him there. But also, when it comes to the time where they have to choose maybe a path for their future jobs, she is making sure that he gets the right classes, that he needs to become an Auror, and is really pushing him into that direction. Yes, I can see the potential here. You are the right man for this job. You are getting there, and I am making sure of it. And in addition, I still wrote down that... The moment that Trelawney is being kicked out by Umbridge, we hear her say many times that 
she's not a real fan of the occupation that Trelawney is representing here in the school. But when it comes to the point where she is about to be kicked out, she is coming to her aid and embracing her and calming her down that everything will be fine. And then, of course, again, Dumbledore comes along and he says, no, 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 you cannot do this. I am the headmaster here mm -hmm. and she, this she can stay. This is her home. So both of them are showing here very great kindness, I think. And yeah, she's truly is really lucky. Yeah. She's crazy, but she's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and she likes Sherry. All the qualities of a lovely divination teacher. We asked our friends, what does being kind mean to you? So our first response is from our lovely friend Kim, who was on the episode where we talked about Nifflers. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. And Kim said, kindness is a rare virtue in this day and age. Unfortunately... Many find being rude and selfish far easier than treating others kindly. I always try to keep in mind that kindness is free and goes a long way. Yes, that's a very valid point, Kim. I couldn't agree more. Very well said. I feel like for me, the thing that I kind of oscillate back to is that it takes pretty much the same amount of energy to be rude as it does to be nice. So why would you waste your energy being rude? Like, that's, you don't get anything back in return that's worthwhile. I think being rude and selfish and mean actually takes even more energy out of you and it just makes you feel awful. Yeah. So why not choose to be kind? Yeah. And feel good about it. Someone called Sunny. Mm -hmm. I assume that's one of your friends. Uh, yep. Being kind means everything to me. Life is not worth living if not done with kindness. Aww. Yes. I subscribe to that fully. Yeah. Um, and then we had my friend Greg who said genuine kindness, especially among grade school children, can also mean being there or standing up for someone who is different without caring if it's socially popular. And being kind to yourself is important too. And yeah, I think that's a really good point that sometimes it's just being nice or standing up for someone regardless of whether it's of the popular opinion or not. And yeah. showing them that empathy and showing them that, hey, you're not alone. I'm here with you. Which can, especially for grade school kids, like that's like the formative years right there. So <laughs> if you have someone who's nice to you, that's truly a treat. Yeah, it is. And then I still saw this one comment here because I just felt like that was so cute. Our guest from last episode, Eric, wrote back to Juliana's uh, post inviting someone onto your podcast and i just felt like yeah that's that's so sweet we have to <laughs> we have to read yeah that, that was nice because <laughs> it was such a it was such a treat to actually have him and that he felt like it was nice to be here that's just that's great yeah so thank you eric that was that was really nice yes and thank you to everyone who left us feedback we got a decent amount of feedback and we didn't want to read them all because it would take us forever so <laughs> thank you to everyone and thank you to everyone whose feedback we read thank you and with that we are wrapping up our traits yeah now we went through basically all of them i think yeah all the main ones yeah just to review the whole traits that we talked about in more detail so many of them are kind of intertwined and quite similar to each other. Yeah. So many things are sort of connected in that way anyway. Mm -hmm. But yeah, after talking about the main characteristics of us Hufflepuffs, what do you think we can take away from them? I think what I've gathered is one, I'm definitely a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Me too. Oh, good. <laughs> We're on the right <laughs> podcast then. So we are qualified for this podcast. Yes. <laughs> we have the license to be podcasting. Two, that I've realized that even if I wasn't a Hufflepuff, this is the house that I want to be a part of. Because all the characteristics that we talked about are the characteristics that just make someone a good person in general. Mm -hmm. And I'm not hating on any of the other houses. I'm just listing off things. But like, you can be brave and not maybe the nicest person. You can be brave and a lovely person. You can be ambitious and not really the nice person. You can be smart and not, you're not the nice person. And I feel as though some of the other houses, their characteristics, they don't dictate your morals as much and like your attitude towards life as like a positive or negative one 
because uh, like I said, you can be brave and be positive or negative. It doesn't really, mm-hmm. it's not, um, it's not really an emotional trait. Whereas I feel as though the Hufflepuff house is very emotion driven and wants yeah. to make people happy and make people feel understood is, as like our main underlying theme is that everyone belongs. We're here to support each other. Let's just be there for each other. Our traits are more emotionally driven and rooted, more more so than some of the other houses. Which uh, I think reflects us, basically, because yeah. that's how we are. So I yeah. think the traits that are shown here and listed are definitely reflecting us as we are. We are very emotional, very sympathetic, very kind and friendly and loving mm-hmm. and... Yes, we are brave and we are smart too, just so that you don't forget that, please. We are not dumb potatoes. (laughs) Expecto potato. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that was that. And now we're going to jump into our quick fun segment of the week, which is called What's Newt? Here we talk about cool fun stuff we discovered and we would like to share with you. Juliana, do you want to tell us first? Ooh, so this week I finally got my set of tarot cards in the mail and I've done a reading on myself once and I don't know what it meant. (laughs) So (laughs) So it's a great start. (laughs) So I'm off to a flying start, just really killing it right out the gate. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, maybe I'll I'll learn how to read my tarot cards better soon. But um, yeah, but I really liked the illustrations on them. But the writing on them is in Chinese. I know what they stand for though. Um, but they're very pretty. Um, and <laughs> I think it will take a little bit of time to get to know them. Yeah. Did you have anything else? Yes. Yeah, so as as I've uh, counted and as other people know, I listen to many a podcast. Too many podcasts. One of the podcasts that I discovered this week is called Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet. And it's a dramatic reading (laughs) of Yelp reviews that are just bonkers, bananas, crazy. And it's great. And so if you're in for just like like a 20 to 30 minute chuckle fest, just go over there and listen to some people at their absolute worst. I love the name of this podcast. That's just, it's great. I really feel like I should be listening to that also. I'm gonna give it. I give it a try and see what happens. Yes, I think it was. It was fun. And one of the other quick notes I wanted to leave here on the podcast is that our last guest, Eric, also has his own podcast called "Thank You for Spieling." Is episode four of his podcast. He had his friend, who is a doctor, on talk about COVID and coronavirus and how what it was like in the hospital where she was working. And just as someone who works in a nursing home and works in healthcare, I highly encourage you to go listen to that episode so you can gain better insight into like what's actually happening in the world right now. If you're interested in knowing what's actually going on behind the scenes at the hospitals, please give that a listen. I found it informative for people. And Mel, what 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 new things have you found in the newt case? In the newt case. <laughs> in the newt case. In the newt case. Uh, yeah, I have been, once again, trying to find ways to relax. And then I started watching in a show on Netflix that I came across that I was not aware of yet. And my friend at work has been recommending it to me. It's called Dark. It is actually a German show. You can watch it in English, though, uh, if you feel like it. It is basically a little town where strange things are happening and kids are going missing and you are traveling through time with these characters and it's very confusing, very chaotic, but so, so interesting that I could not stop watching it. It followed me into my sleep, so I have had to take a couple of days of break as well so that I can sleep peacefully um, and not dream about the things that are happening in this strange town. Didn't I show up in one of your dreams or something? Or am I confusing my own dream of you? Of you? I think you showed up in my dream or what? I can't remember what my dream was anymore. I did have a dream about Juliana, yes, and uh, it was not a very pleasant one. Should I recap it for you if you want to? Oh yes, let's leave it here on the pod. So I was dreaming that Juliana went ahead as she does uh, in real life. Oh no, I would um, never do that. 
makes makes connections to all sorts of people and just books the times for future episodes with them. No, don't not me at all. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happened in my dream that she booked actually a live show for us as we have actually done we were part of a con uh which this episode is like saved up for a later date for you so you will not miss out on it don't worry but in this occasion it was supposed to be a live stream and we were there in the studio we were sitting in our chairs and we were supposed to have a practice run but then something else happened and alarm bells went off and we were like stopped and we couldn't practice and you were like okay and then you walked off <laughs> i was like okay this is strange now we didn't practice this at all and then the next day the live stream was supposed to happen and i am sitting there in my position waiting and someone is counting down the the time from 10 until zero and i'm panicking because juliana is not here suddenly when he counted down to zero a big screen in front of me a picture flares up and who is shown on this picture? Juliana, with a dance troupe behind her, <laughs> dancing and singing our intro. And I'm like panicking and someone is next to me like whispering, start singing, come on, come on, start. And I'm like, what? I'm not singing, are you crazy? And they're like, go follow the text. And then there was a screen with a text that I was supposed to read. And I can't for the life of me i can't sing and i will not sing in public ever but i started to basically talk or speak the text on the screen i wasn't singing i was just speaking along and then people were like shouting at me and getting mad that i am not singing and then i was just and others oh, were laughing at oh. me yes either shouting or laughing at me and i was standing up and running away and i ran to our room I packed all my things very quickly to just get away from here as fast as possible. And suddenly Juliana shows up in the door and she shouts at me like, you ruined the whole show. Now our podcast is ruined. I was dancing. I was dancing on a on a <laughs> yes. audio medium so and, no one could see me. And I was just so shocked and I couldn't say anything to you. And then I just ran off and then some other strange things have happened and the day was getting worse. But that was the main point. You just didn't tell me what was actually supposed to happen. And then you were just dancing on the screen and I was just in panic. It was a horrible dream. It was You had to live through it uh, to understand how terrible it was. I know it doesn't sound as bad, but... I feel like the moral of this story is that I should take up dancing on the podcast because clearly that's, that's <laughs> like what the listeners want is to hear me just like randomly jumping around behind in the audio because, you know, you can definitely see dancing through a podcast. <laughs> I mean, who's to say that we are not at some point, some day when we have a couple more patrons that we would do live streams here while recording so you can actually watch us on video and there could be some dance moves included that, you know, is that maybe a hint that you should sign up for our Patreon? <laughs> If you want to see Juliana do dance and singing. I can um, do interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah, that was that was it. Um, <laughs> so dark, strange, but really interesting and addicting show called Dark on Netflix. Weird dreams, not recommended. And then I got some books, but now we're already into way too much uh, <laughs> detail about all the other stuff. So I, I will post some pictures of the books that I recommend to you. <laughs> Okie dokie. So lastly, we will get into Juliana's Joke Corner or some other title for this that I'll probably come up with at some point. Okay. To you listeners, if you have a fun name that is describing... Name my Joke Corner. Describing what Juliana does with her jokes, then please send them in. <laughs> Okay, so why don't you shoot your first joke at me? Okay, joke number one. What does Voldemort wear on his feet? I don't know. You know, shoes. Like, you know who, but you know shoes. <laughs> I love how we always have the same stick here, because I am looking at you... <laughs> In disbelief, and then you are still explaining it to me once more. Okay, uh, yeah, 
Of course. You know shoes. You know, he, shoes. He wears shoes, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> How about a pizza-related joke? Ooh, because pizza is, is a favorite of all you listeners out there. I have this week have curated a pizza joke for you. So, my joke is, if a pizza could talk, what would it say? It's probably something cheesy. <laughs> oh, yes, probably a lot of cheesy things. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Oh my god. You finally got a joke. You guessed it. Maybe food related jokes are more my kind of thing. <laughs> yes, maybe the Harry Potter jokes are not for you. Maybe you need the food related joke. Oh, Harry Potter. Who needs that, right? Who would make a podcast nope. about that? Pizza jokes instead. <laughs> maybe we should have a pizza podcast. Ooh. Mm. Oh boy. Okay, so that was our episode for the week. And just to round us out, we have a lovely question from Buttercup. Boop, 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 boop. Mel inserts a pizza question here. Serve, lovelies. What kind of pizza do you like? Yeah, that's not what she sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> At least not to my knowledge. No, it's not. Unless something happened in her holiday <laughs> that we don't know of. She has a sinus infection right now. That's not what I sound like, do I? Anyway, hello, friends. Apparently, Juliana would like me to ask you a pizza-related question this week. So, let's ask you one that splits the world. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Okay, thank you, Buttercup. So if you guys are looking to get in contact with us, you can listen to us on all platforms where podcasts are found. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PuffCastPod. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PuffCast. You can also send us an email or any kind of audio recording. And if you send us an audio recording, we may play it on the show. And our email is PuffCastPod at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon. And like we said if we get up to enough patrons, we're looking to maybe do some live streams, and that's one of our goals, along with a fun little party that we'd like to throw for all our patrons once we get to 20 patrons. So if you would like to support us, please go over to patreon.com. It's as low as $2 a month, and one of those $2 goes to charity. Leave us a rating and review anywhere that you can leave a rating and review. We would highly appreciate that. So thank you all for listening, and until next time, stay puffy! And badger on. And badger on. <laughs> we started crazy, it... we ended crazy. 